Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about wildlife conservation issues from all across the globe. As many know, the March for Science is a grassroots, all-volunteer organized event celebrating science across the nation, and it serves as a call to support and safeguard the scientific community. Recent policy suggestions and changes have caused heightened worry among scientists, and the incredible and immediate outpouring of support has made clear that these concerns are also shared by countless people around the world. If you missed one of these recent events near you, but were curious what it's all about, the fabulous folks from the Majority Villain podcast attended the March for Science Denver and shared their episode with us to bring to listeners of Eyes on Conservation. Enjoy. Welcome to Majority Villain. This show is rated F for foul language. This is Majority Villain. I signed life What's up, y'all? I'm Gregory Haddock, and this is Majority Villain, the show all about democratizing society, about creating a world where science rules just the way the good man Bill Nye always envisioned that it would. And uh, this week, I'm a little, I'm a little bit more hands off than usual because we're actually going to be giving the voice back to the people who. Uh, this show is for, and that was scientists, it was students, it was concerned citizens, as we went down to Denver to visit and protest for the March for Science. Uh, for information on that, you can go marchforsciencedenver.org or the mother of those sites, marchforscience.com. Uh, that would have been the uh, the host site, I suppose, in, in Washington, D.C. In any case... Uh, it was a great opportunity to get down to Denver and see a bunch of concerned citizens and students working very hard to raise awareness about how we need to take care of this planet a little bit better. It was unfortunate because there was actually not nearly as many people uh, that marched uh, that did march last year, and there will be some uh, references to that as the show goes on, and you'll kind of catch on for that, uh, which is which is really too bad. And so, part of the show, you should be looking at it through a filter of why is it that these topics don't get the attention that they really deserve? And what is it that needs to be done in order to make sure that we live in a society that's scientifically based, that our politicians are making fact-based policy uh, that's going to benefit not only those who finance their campaigns and not just also the people who live in their districts and their constituencies, but uh, the, the ecosystems that we live in. How are we going to protect our water rights and water resources how are we going to make sure that people are fed going into the future? And how are we going to avoid uh, global warming and climate change to the points where before we reach a boiling point where there is no turning back? Because that is, of course, what 97 to 98 percent of scientists are saying. So uh, why aren't we seeing more of that on the news? These are questions we need to be asking, and you're going to get a lot of that in today's show. So I'm really excited that you're here with us. And uh, I, I'm just going to step back and I'm going to let these people really take the stage because it's all about them. So enjoy the rest of the show. And uh, I might chime in in a couple places just to help clarify some stuff. But for the most part, this is for the people who organized and participated in March for Science. As always, status quos are for suckers. Enjoy the show.
Who are you? Where are you from? And what are you doing here today? Me or the organization? <laughs> Let's choose one, all right? Okay, Jeez. Sorry. Okay, well, we're the organization. I ask the questions. Okay, sorry. Uh, the organization is Defend Our Future. We are based um, in a lot of different states, but us right here, uh, we're, most of us are from CSU. Um, so we're down in Fort Collins, um, or up in Fort Collins, I guess. But um, And we're a climate change activism group, so um, right now we're getting people to sign our pledge to uh, ask for the removal of Scott Pruitt and the replacement of him. So we do calls, we do canvassing like this, we do lots of events. Um, so that's generally what we're up to today. So it's a whole organization of people going after one guy, Scott Pruitt. I kind of feel bad for him now. Tell me why I shouldn't. <laughs> well... First of all, we're not always going after Scott Pruitt. That's just our current pledge. But it's just reason... like the hater of the week, is that it? Yeah, right, of course. <laughs> well, Scott Pruitt is really corrupt for a number of reasons. He's under multiple investigations, not only for, you know, stuff with the EPA. He's sued the EPA, what is it, three times? Yeah. He's actually sued the EPA a lot of times when he was uh, attorney general in Oklahoma. Okay, yeah. So um, he's done that. So obviously he's not someone who's in the position to head the EPA in the first place. And then he's also under investigation for taking taxpayer dollars for his own personal use, like flying private jets and staying in hotels and whatnot. So even if you're not an environmentalist, it's kind of hard to like him. So, What about, like, say, Donald Trump? listens, heeds the call, and says, Scott, you're out. And then he replaces him with, like, the Monopoly guy instead. Yeah. Is there a win there? Um, I mean, it is a win because then Scott Pruitt is out, and that's that's good because he does have a lot of power. Um, I don't know much about, I can't speak to the other guy who would come in. If he did, I'm sure he's not great either. But honestly, our goal is just to keep fighting against it until we get a scientist in there. And if that means getting the next guy out too, that's what we'll do. Scientist at the EPA? I don't think so. Yeah, right? Defend our future! <laughs> Find out more about what these guys are doing, check out defendourfuture.org. My name is Lisa Trope. I'm a community organizer with Food and Water Watch Colorado, and we're part of a statewide ballot initiative to make sure that we push wells back at least 2,500 feet from people's homes, schools, hospitals, and drinking water sources because of the extreme harm that it causes to our air, our water, our health, and our climate. How much of those effects measured today? Do we even know the consequences of that? Uh, we do know some of them. There's on average two oil and gas spills a day in Colorado, uh, about 18% of which have contaminated groundwater. And unfortunately, uh, Denver and Fort Collins are two of the top 10 most polluted uh, cities in the country, and a lot of that comes from oil and gas development. Um, unfortunately, people living near these wells are seeing, seeing certain, uh, different health impacts. A lot of them are anecdotal, but at the same time, there's health study after health study coming specifically out of Colorado um, that is showing lower birth rates in children, seeing increase in uh, cancer rates near wells. There's some really, really large impacts happening to everyday 
people right here on the ground in Colorado and they're ready to fight back and actually have the rights to say where fracking is or where it isn't in their community. Absolutely. And uh, where did you guys get started? How, where does this group come from? We are uh, about 10 years old. Um, we started because our funder, Winona Hotter, decided that everyone should have access to clean air, uh, water, and food, and, and sustainable um, food and water. And so we're 10 years old. We have offices across the country, but I think we're really unique in that we don't take any corporate or government funding, period. That allows us to take really strong, strong stances. So we're the first group to call for a ban on fracking nationally. I've worked with coalitions in New York and Maryland to do so. Colorado is a little bit of a different dynamic, and so we're working just to keep it out of people's backyards. Um, and we also are really well known for our water privacy fights and food work and we are also very different in that we work on the ground with real people we're not just behind closed doors lobbying at the state legislator at federal at the national level we are very much working with people on the ground every day in Longmont Lafayette Broomfield really across the state and across the country to make sure that they have the right to clean air clean water and good food that's wonderful thank you so much and thanks for doing all the work you're doing today yeah you get a lot of signatures we're getting there. Yeah, it's been an amazing few weeks. It's been about two weeks, and people are coming through the woodworks, and everyone understands the importance of keeping these walls away from their, their homes. Any idea how many signatures you have right now on this ballot initiative? We don't have a account, but we do need 145,000, which I don't think will be a problem because people in Colorado get the threat of this really toxic industry. Check out more at foodandwaterwatch.org. Hi, Miss Frizzle. Hi. Hi, can I, can I ask you some questions? Sure. So, my name is Greg, and I host the Majority Villain Podcast. Okay. Will you just introduce yourself? Yeah. And tell me how awesome you look. Explain it for people who are only doing audio. Um, all right. My name is Erin, and I am uh, representing Miss Frizzle today uh, with uh, the Magic School Bus. And doing spectacularly, I might add. Thank you very much. Um, I've got my uh, certified teaching lizard, Liz, with me. Uh, she helps me teach, teach stuff in the classroom and make sure the kids don't get in too much trouble. Are you a real teacher? I am not. I uh, not Well, not officially. I do a lot of uh, panels and kind of sideline teaching. But... This is fantastic. The whole getup is great. I love it. Why, why are you here today specifically? Uh, because I love science. I uh, was going to go to school for... Um, physics and then I ended up uh, doing engineering uh, but it's just been part of my life and I want to keep it that way yeah. keep it accessible to everyone what do you mean keep it accessible to everyone uh, there's a lot going on with schools where it's not really science you know kind of the alternative facts and stuff if you will we just want to make sure that uh, the, the false science is not prevalent in schools so. what would you like to see happen um, Anything specific? Just making sure that the uh, books that uh, kids are getting are all valid science stuff. As opposed to, you know, teaching like a section on creationism? Or... Yeah, creationism's a little weird. I mean, in theory, you know, you can take it as a story, as an anecdote and such, but it's not science. It doesn't belong in schools? No. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You look great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, enjoy your day. You too. Everybody watching um, this on VR is actually right now in South Africa. Live? Not live, but giraffes coming right up to your face, elephants coming right up to your face, lions. If you were to try this in real life, you would probably be killed. 
Right, for like pretty obvious reasons. Yeah, lions will probably eat you. And now, who are you, and, and what, what do you do? My name is Todd. Todd, how'd you get into this? Um, <laughs> it's a long story, but I care about wildlife. So essentially, we do anti-poaching work in real time. So we have a number of apps that you can monitor on your phone, wildlife like you see in these headsets. Oh, okay, and, and what do you do from the app then? So from the app, you can actually see real-time feeds of wildlife, and then every once in a while you'll see a sketchy-looking dude who is chances are likely that it's a poacher, and then you contact us, we contact people on the ground, and stop them. So let me get this right. The idea is that if you have enough people watching these reserves, these areas, are they reserves? Yeah. Then if there's enough people, enough eyes on it, then you basically have like a neighborhood watch for the wildlife. That is exactly right. That is an amazing concept. You want to see, yeah, you want to see you some giraffes up close? Yeah. All right. You got to try this. You are going to Africa right now. How cool is that? That's very cool. For the cost of zero dollars. Zero dollars. So Andy is putting on the mask right now. Thank you. She doesn't look very comfortable. It's not it's messing up your hair? No, no, it's okay. Do I have to do something? Just look around. Yeah, look left, right. You can move in all directions. Oh. You see the zebra? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's so cool. Can people use VR from the app at home? Um, they can subscribe to our YouTube channel, which has all of this footage. Okay. And by subscribing to our YouTube channel, that will generate funds to protect all of these animals, too. I mean, we have a lot of public donations, obviously. The YouTube thing is obviously advertising. So you watch a video, boom, you know you're protecting animals that you just saw. Your wildlife protection solutions. Yeah. Oh, we've only been around maybe four years. About four years? Yeah. And how did that start out? So we actually all have a technology background. So we develop apps for airports, casinos, all of this stuff. And a few of us had a huge passion to save animals, save wildlife. So it just made sense. Like, let's start to apply this to wildlife conservation. That's awesome. Yeah. So, in the last in the last year, we've we've caught about a hundred poachers. Your your organization has caught a hundred poachers using this technology. Yeah. From right here in Denver, we've caught a hundred poachers plus. You're in Denver using live webcams to catch poachers in Africa. Yeah, exactly. In Africa, in Indonesia, even in Hawaii. Do do that's amazing. Do you have what's the kind of resources you have with some of the local authorities in those areas? We work with whatever ground teams there are, whether it's specific anti-poaching teams, whether it is national parks, whether it's private game reserves. <laughs> That was a close one. The wind just lifted that right up off the ground. This canopy was just about to go bye-bye. And Andy has no idea. Nope. She's in Africa right now. That was crazy. What did you think? That's amazing. I got kissed by a giraffe. I got kissed by a giraffe. That's pretty cool. Get, can I try this? Yeah, I try this? Okay, hold on. Let me, let me make sure it's... Just hold that for a second. Yeah. start you from the beginning here. What do you see now? Okay, so I see a rhinoceros. Cool. That's so cool. Oh my god, there's the giraffe. Wow. 
Oh, get in here, buddy. Bring it in. Ooh, that is so cool. Ooh. That was amazing. He's probably like 16, 17 feet tall. 16, 17 feet tall. Yeah, that giraffe that you just saw. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Very cool work, Todd. Thanks for showing us yeah, around, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. Hope you guys get a lot of people in here. Oh, yeah. It's, we're doing a lot of change. WildlifeProtectionSolutions.org. What's the best way people can reach you? Uh, website. Right at the website. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah, enjoy the thanks. rest of your day. <laughs> To check out more about how you can protect the wildlife, go to wildlifeprotectionsolutions.org. Uh, my name is Will Holtzman. I'm from Parker, Colorado, with the University of Denver Society of Physics students, and we're just out here doing physics demos, just trying to get people excited about physics. Let's preface this by saying you can say that physics is fucking badass. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now tell me about yourself. Um, I'm Amanda Livingston. I'm from New Mexico, and I go to U school at the University of Denver. Uh, hello, I'm Lily. Um, I am also, I'm a first year at the University of Denver, and I am also a physics major. Explain it to me as if you would to a child, because that's pretty much how it operates in my head. Okay. Oh, that makes that makes sense. But um, I have to wait for it to turn on first. But we have this metal plate attached to a speaker. And when it turns on, the speaker um, is going to emit, like, sound waves. And the sound waves are going to be oh, captured yeah. by the salt it. image. Yeah. By the salt, and it's going to show an image. Yeah. So if we change the frequency into a higher setting, it's going to get more complex. So it's based off of the shape of the plate and then the frequency of the waves. So the shape will determine how the waves reflect back into each other and then the frequency determines their size and things like that. And it just, it's, it, it's bizarre because it looks like it really is following a pattern that you gave it, but it's not. It just does what it wants to do. Science! Yes. <laughs> Yeah! Science! Very cool. Thank you so much. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm Jonathan. This is Mark. And we're giving people marshmallows that makes them breathe like dragons. Makes them breathe like dragons. I didn't misunderstand that, right? Yeah, no. It's a lot of good, clean fun. Uh, basically, the, we soak the marshmallows in liquid nitrogen. Ah! And this is totally safe. Oh, yeah. It's totally safe. We do it all the time. And then you just pop them in your mouth. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Do you want some marshmallows? Yes. Yes, I want to try this. There you go. Okay, I just pop right in my mouth. Oh my god. It's cold. It's really cold. Oh, that is so weird. Oh. Does it look like a dragon? <laughs> and delicious. Yeah, no, I mean, it's marshmallows. And how does that work? So liquid nitrogen yeah. is negative 170 degrees Celsius, and room, the temperature of your mouth is uh, somewhere around 35 degrees Celsius. So there's a difference of about 200 degrees, and so it evaporates immediately. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Have a nice day, all right? You too. You too. You too. Todd Lederman, and I am here today as a volunteer getting people to either register to vote or update their voter registrations. Now, 
why would you be here at a March for Science? What's the connection? Well, connection number one, I think as many people voting as possible is probably good for science. How does it make you feel to see this many people here today? Um, well, I'm actually disappointed because I came to this event last year. And just to guess, I would guess there were something like 20 times as many people. What, what do you attribute that to? Some of it is a little drop-off from a year ago. Uh, some of it is uh, there was a lot of anger a year ago. I think the anger is mostly still there, but I think it's being channeled slightly differently. Thanks for all the work you're doing today. I appreciate it. Thank you. I think one of the most fascinating parts of this topic is that very quickly, the subject can shift from talking about science and talking about climate change and what to do about it and what to do about endangered species and the fact that our ecosystems are falling apart in a lot of places and what to do about catastrophic issues facing us today, including children not having access to clean drinking water in the United States, something that we, should, we can't even fathom. It shouldn't even be a thing that, was, that we're talking about. And yet it is. And it seems so often that this gets to be a topic that Democrats have the chance to say that this is all us and we're the ones that are actually talking about these issues. Uh, when in fact, the Republican Party has a long, rich history of environmentalism and conservation. A few people spoke to that, but in particular, there was one man by the name of Levi Tillman who really gave it some interesting foresight that I don't think you're going to hear very often, which is unfortunate because the Republican Party should really be owning this a lot more. My name is Levi Tilleman. I was born and raised here in Colorado. I'm a candidate for the 6th Congressional District, uh, and I'm vying for the, the Democratic nomination to take on Mike Kaufman this fall. Excellent. What, this, what was the driving factor to get you uh, into the race this year? Well... I was engaged in clean energy and working with artificial intelligence, and I was actually really enjoying my career. But when Donald Trump won the Republican nomination, I knew that we were headed down a dangerous path. And so I took time off of my work to go and volunteer for the Hillary Clinton campaign. And when Trump won the election, I decided that I needed to continue that fight, to fight for science, to fight for truth, uh, to fight for equal rights and all of the things that I care about so deeply because I knew that they were under threat from this administration and its far right-wing agenda. Now, you're running as a Democrat, is that right? Absolutely. And yet you made some interesting comments about the Republican Party's history with environmentalism. Because American politics has become unmoored from truth and science, and we have abandoned conservation and that is a pity because it didn't used to be that way many republicans used to legitimately call themselves environmentalists does anyone know who signed into law the epa a republican nixon does anyone know who signed into law our first cafe standards a republican gerald ford and my favorite story of a republican conservationist comes from our bull moose president, Teddy Roosevelt, who was a great lover of the outdoors. In 1907, the Congress decided that they were going to pass a law to restrict his ability to protect additional national forests. And you know what? Roosevelt decided he wasn't going to take it sitting down. Actually, he did take it sitting down. He sat right down on the floor of the White House. He rolled out a map 
together with the head of his forestry service. And on the last night of his authority, he stayed up all night designating more than a dozen new national forests, which he sketched out by hand. And those are called Roosevelt's Midnight Forest. So we have to fight not only for truth and science, we have to fight for that natural heritage that we have in the United States of America. And you know what? I have faith that we can do it. Would you care to maybe uh, elaborate on some of that a little bit? Sure. Republicans used to be environmentalists. Um, you know, in, in many ways, they were leaders in terms of the regulation and science that has made our world a better place. Gerald Ford signed into law our first fuel economy standards. Richard Nixon signed into law the legislation that created the Environmental Protection Agency. And I talked a little bit about my fav second favorite Republican president, Teddy Roosevelt, who um, loved the outdoors, and when Congress passed a piece of legislation to try to keep him from protecting new national forests, he stayed up all night together with the head of his forest service to sketch out by hand more than a dozen new national forests, because that's how important our natural heritage was to him. So the Republicans have veered off course, and they have embraced a far right-wing anti-science agenda, and that's part of why I'm running. Now, if you were to be elected, what would be one of the first things you'd want to tackle? Who Impeach Donald Trump. Okay, and then after that? Donald Trump is a, a scourge, and he stands against everything our democracy should stand for. Um, some of the issues that I think I'm, I'm well-positioned to address are clean energy and, and pushing along that clean energy transition. I've written a couple of books on how we can use smart policy to make the world a better place and, and to push that process along. Uh, something else I'm really interested in is artificial intelligence and robotics. Uh, those two big tech trends are transforming our world, and we need people in Washington who understand those technologies and understand the economy and understand regulation and how those three things work together and can make sure that as as we move forward into this brave new world that it's technology and markets working for people not people working for technology and markets excellent and uh, just getting back to environmentalism one more time um, what is it you'd specifically like to go after um, for Colorado? Well, I've endorsed a plan to get us to 100% renewable energy by 2035, and there are a bunch of different components to that plan. I know that that's a really aggressive goal, but my perspective is we have to look back to some of the great things we've done in the past. Look at what John F. Kennedy said about going to the moon. We don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's hard, and more importantly, because it's worth it. And so we have to push for 100 percent renewable energy by 2035 and um, I, I am I'm well positioned to to help create the policy that's going to get us there wonderful Levi Tillman congressional candidate for district 6 of Colorado is that right yes sir thank you so much for thank visiting for with me time. I appreciate have it have a great day bye-bye Levi Tillman is a candidate for U.S. Congress in Colorado's 6th District. For more information, you can visit leviforcolorado.com. Uh, 
Mark Storm with Sunrun. I'm a residential solar consultant. We're the country's largest residential solar provider. The country's largest? Yes, sir. Ooh, no. What's going on here? Trying to put glass on roofs, give everyone the opportunity to create their own power, control their energy costs. How hard is it or expensive to get solar panels on your home in a tight economy? Well, we have every option. We have a no money down option where we actually own the system. We put it on your roof. There's no money down. You pay us less than you pay your utility for the energy it creates. Just like they would for their electricity, instead of getting a bill from their utility, they get a bill from Sunrun, and we become your your utility. What do you think the future has in, in store in Colorado for solar? Boy, the industry changes so fast. Tariffs, um, XL's always changing their rates. So hopefully... Um, Batteries are in our future. If uh, XL moves the majority of us to time of use where you pay a higher rate during peak hours of the day, uh, battery power will help offset the costs generated during those times. So that's probably coming in the next few years, too. Well, well, we wish you guys all the best today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, Have a good one. For more information on how you can install solar panels on your house, go to sunrun.com. My name is Phil Ord, and I'm president of a pro-nuclear advocacy group called Americans for Nuclear Energy. And what is it about nuclear power that you, that you think needs to be promoted in, in this context? It's the best chance we have to avert catastrophic climate change. How so? It offers zero emissions. It is ranked the safest form of power. It can pick up the slack that wind and solar simply cannot because it's constant. It's not intermittent. Uh, intermittence is a big downfall of wind and solar, and it makes it so it's not really that much of a solution. The real decarbonization forces are nuclear and hydroelectric, and we need to use facts and data to acknowledge that and uh, inform policy uh, with that information. What about the risk? The risk of nuclear power is extremely, extremely low. It takes huge problems to cause any sort of uh, accident at a nuclear power plant. People will talk about Chernobyl and Fukushima. Well, Chernobyl was a really poorly constructed, poorly run, foolishly tested Soviet reactor. Those are not used anymore to produce power. There was also a plutonium weapons, a plutonium fuel for weapons facility. So to say that was nuclear power is not really true. Fukushima, yes, was a crisis, but no one died. And it is still habitable in that area. I'm not saying those are okay, but we've learned from that even more than wind and solar that produces toxic byproducts from its production. Do you think it's fair to say that while people may not like the idea of nuclear power, it is the most feasible solution to our problems? 100%. To ignore nuclear power is to ignore a very valid form of science. And for those who say we can run on 100% renewable energy, are not being truthful and they're ignoring a perfectly valid form of power. And at the end of the day, renewable is just a buzzword. It doesn't mean anything. Not in any way saying we don't, there's not a place for wind and solar, but we can't claim that we will magically decarbonize everything with them. 
because there is no storage. There is there is the, they're intermittent and they need to be backed up by sources of power that are consistent, which is fossil fuel. So that's kind of what I'm out here talking to people about because we need to get real about climate change. We can't make any mistakes. Has, has your booth been well received today? Have a lot of people been pretty concerned about what's what you're talking about, or do you feel like people are pretty re- receptive to that? Uh, I found people very receptive to it. Well, given that this is a science march and it's based on what does the evidence say, and I brought a plethora of evidence with with me today. Right, because my guess is you would have a lot of um, pro green, very environmentalist friendly concern about conservation and would see um, that the March for Science and that are, you know, synonymous together, but not necessarily in the sense that science is would also be promoting something that, while on the on the face of it, may not look as clean as others, it is the answer that people are looking for. Does that, does that feel about right? Yes. Yeah, so what I would say about that is the traditional environmental groups like Greenpeace, Sierra Club, National Resource Defense Council, NRDC, um, Friends of the Earth, they peddle a lot of pseudoscience, and people say, oh, it's only the, the, those that lean, le- lean right that deny science. No, there's a lot of uh, science denial when it comes to environmental issues on the left, and that, we see that with uh, people not being for GMOs. We see that with people being not for nuclear power. We see that for, with people saying that they ignore the energy realities of the world. Uh, that that claim we just we just don't need any more power. We need a lot more power, and it's the survival of the planet and the welfare of its people depend on energy. So I would say that there is quite a bit of science denial in the environmental groups because it's become more of an ideology of you know natural purity and we aren't going to go back in time to where we're all living on communes using only the land to live we that's, we've industrialized there's no going back we just can uh, use the best we can the technology we have to mitigate our effects on the planet I would be less received at a climate change rally than I would at a science march thank you so much for your, t- your time today perfect thank you sir To hear more about these talking points and what nuclear energy does and doesn't do, go to americansfornuclearenergy.org. Johnny Teeter, I'm a retired EPA person, and so I'm here with a group called SaveEPAAlums.info, and everybody else who's here are current EPA employees, and they're here as part of the local AFTE 3607. And we're just here trying to help people understand what's happening with our environmental and public health protections and EPA and how they can make a difference in speaking up. Absolutely. So what's the best thing you recommend for people? Well, um, get informed. And we have a website that the alums can do. EPA employees currently are kind of hamstrung in their ability to talk, but we're not. So on this website, we post information about things like what's happening with the budget. Every time there's a a, um, rollback of a rule proposed, we post talking points. We say, here's what the rule does. Here's what the rule is proposed to be changed. And here's some talking points that you can use to um, make your own comments be heard. The way rules work, you have to have a decision has to be based on a record, and so comments make a big difference in creating that record. Yeah. For, for people who are not familiar with the current situation, 
Why is the EPA so important and what's, what's at risk? Well, so EPA is so important because it's what sets the baseline for the air we breathe and the water we drink and how much toxics are in the air. Um, if you're as old as I am, you remember when here in Denver, you know, there were days when we couldn't walk outside of the house without coughing. The Platte River was so polluted, you didn't go anywhere near it. And it's the combination of federal and state regulations that has made that happen. So EPA and the states have long worked in partnership to actually improve um, our health with environmental protections. This administration is trying to roll back even basic protections. I mean, the one that's currently out there right now is they're trying to roll back emission standards on cars, those emission standards being one of the main things that has helped clean up our air over the years. Um, they're trying to cut EPA's budget by 35%. Trump has said he just wants to get rid of EPA altogether. Um, so it's like a giant step backwards in um, not only our public health and environment, but in our economy, because the cleaner we've gotten, the more our economy has grown. The way we have cleaned up the environment over the years is to gradually ratchet things down year after year, and that has worked. And a lot of petroleum companies are quite responsible about that. On things like the methane rule, they say these are reasonable rules. We should not have emissions leaking all over the place. We could capture that. That's product. But there's a small group that says, no, we don't want to spend the money because it puts us at an economic advantage to somebody else. So fossil fuels, you're saying, are the, the number one emitter of uh, greenhouse gases. In, in the atmosphere. What about other things like methane, um, the way we do agriculture in the United States, that that's having a major effect? So, so let me first correct you, because we want our science to Please. be correct, right? Please. Yes, so. you, I'm going to need a lot of that, actually. <laughs> okay, so our website will help you. So um, until 2017, the power sector was the major emitter of carbon dioxide in the U.S., Okay, And burning fossil fuels wow, around cool. the world is a major <laughs> emitter. But as of right now in the U.S., it's actually automobiles that are now, excuse me, vehicles that are the major emitter of carbon because power plants have actually been bringing their carbon down. So it's a very, very complicated thing. Methane is bad for a couple of reasons. Methane has volatile organic compounds, gases that react with other gases to help create smog and ozone, um, which is the part of the brown cloud we see here. Methane is also a really, really, really potent climate change gas, a greenhouse gas. Uh, it's like three, depending on who you look at, three to seven times more potent than carbon dioxide in creating that effect that we're trying to fight. So it's a complicated picture. Absolutely. So somebody like me coming along and trying to simplify it in a few words, they're just doing a lot of damage. Well, pay attention to what's going on. Try to reduce. I mean, the old reduce, reuse, recycle stuff is always really helpful. And speak up for your environmental protections. Call your representatives. Um, you can get a lot of information on our website, which is saveepaalums.info, that can help you educate yourself about the basic science and the protections and, and give you the tools you need to speak out in the political environment. And vote. And vote. And vote. And vote. That's perfect. Thank you so much for your help. Yeah, have a nice day, all right? Thank you. You too. To hear all about what the EPA wants to say after they leave the EPA, check out saveepaalums.info. Can I, can I ask you about your sign? Sure. So my name is Greg and I host a podcast. All right. Like every other jackass with a microphone. <laughs> I hear you. What's your name and where are you from? Uh, my name is Andrea and I grew up in Florida originally. 
in Florida. Mm-hmm. And what is your sign? What is your sign about? Um, it's about the climate change problem that everybody likes to be talking about when it comes to a lot of the th- problems that we're fighting with the administration. Um, they don't think that climate change is real. A lot of people are really worried about it, and a lot of people don't understand that our diets and what we're putting into our bodies has a lot to do with um, an industry that contributes to uh, all the problems that we're having with a larger footprint than many others. What, what do you think should be done? And, and what specifically? Uh, specifically, I mean, people can cut back. The thing, like, I'm not here trying to make anybody change their entire lives. I just want to try to bring a little bit of awareness to a problem that people don't really seem to know. It says go vegan. It does say go vegan. It's There's nothing wrong with going vegan. There are no there are no downsides to people going vegan. So if I can encourage anybody to even think about it, I'm going to. Do you feel like fossil fuels and energy um, power power plants, do you feel like that gets a lot of the attention that agriculture doesn't? Yeah, I, I do believe so. That People are really worried about uh, car emissions and things like that. And it's that they don't think about how much water and energy and crop like crops, so many of our crops go into feeding these animals that we're going to end up eating. Well, thank you. I hope you enjoy your day. You too. Thank you so much. My name is Jamelin, and I'm from Denver. Jamelin. It's a very lovely name. Thank you. Now, what does your sign say? My sign says, make America think again. Now, I thought this was a nonpartisan thing. <laughs> is it nonpartisan? Um, I guess I never thought of it that way. It's the truth. And I was trying to get something that would say what I felt, was that America should think again, not be swayed by um, emotional bullshit. <laughs> can I with it? Yes, you can, yeah. say, you can definitely. Bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think people need to uh, take the time to understand the topics and not just be swayed by, um, you know, fake news. Swayed by fake news. <laughs> what, what kind of direction do you think America should be going in right now? Um, I, quite honestly, I was very happy. Um, not that things were perfect, but when President Obama was our president, and there seemed to be some concern about people that were less fortunate, seemed to be concerned about the future. And not just a massive grab for money and power. Jamelin, right? Yes. Thank you so much for, for doing that. Thank you. My name is Caitlin Catalino. Um, I'm from Denver, Colorado, and I am here with Defenders of Wildlife. We are a national nonprofit organization focused on wildlife conservation. Wonderful. And what is the concern specifically that you're concerned with? Um, your address. How many times can I say concern in a sentence? <laughs> so, well, there's a lot of issues that are facing wildlife today. Um, so here at the table, we're talking about some of our um, issues focusing here in Colorado. Um, we do kind of work uh, region- regionally. Um, so we're talking about wolf recovery. We're talking about protecting the Endangered Species Act, which is one of our most important conservation laws. Why does it need to be protected? What's up? So the Endangered Species Act is simply under attack by Congress. Um, in this last congressional cycle, we've seen over 70 attacks on the ESA himself, um, either attacks trying to gut the ESA or to prevent species from being listed. Um, it's just becoming sort of um, a target for many anti-wildlife members of Congress. So we need to remind our, our senators and our representatives uh, that the endangered species is 99% successful um, of prevent, uh, saving species from going extinct, and we need to make sure that we are protecting it. Now, when you say Congress is going after parts of the ESA, what has specifically happened? What, what parts are you talking about? And 
Is this a Republican thing? Is this a Democratic thing? Um, yeah, so to answer... Or is it those damn questions. independents? <laughs> so, um, you know, mostly... We're mostly seeing it from some of our uh, Republican members of Congress, um, but they're they're going after it in a number of different ways. So, for example, um, there are some some bills out there in um, the House of Representatives. And they're trying to delist the gray wolf in the Northern Rock or in the the Great Lakes states, so Michigan and Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, they're trying to do that congressionally, which is something that's never been done before, um, except for one instance in the Northern Rockies. Usually, that's a scientific decision. So that's part of the problem. Is this is, um, you know, science is used to protect our species, and politicians are trying to pretend like they know what's best for our wildlife. What's in it for them? Well, uh, you know, I think it sort of depends on where they are um, and, and what uh, what concerns are around their community. Um, but for, for, for a lot of these issues, it's not necessarily, there doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. You know, it, there, there's a lot of support for the Endangered Species Act. It's protecting species across the country. Um, so the fact that they would try to be targeting it, just it just doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, what do you hope to see accomplished in the next year? Um, you know, I think, you know, having strong wildlife policies in place and continue to be in place is what we want to see. Um, given our current administration, we're just trying to fight back against some of the bad policies that are put forth. Thank you so much awesome. for help. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> to find out how you can protect the wildlife, go to defenders.org. Uh, my name's Zena. I am from, originally we're from San Diego. I'm an environmental engineer. I'm Crystal, Zena's sister, also from San Diego. I currently join the construction industry, and I think rational and logical thinking that has been reviewed is a very good thing. I mean, I'm happy that there are people here, but I wish there were more. I came to the Women's March a few months ago, and it was massive, and... I mean, this is, this is definitely like a fraction of that. I feel like science is one of the things that isn't discussed as much. Um, it's involved in every aspect of our lives, but it's not in the forefront of like the news where it's talking about, you know, racial inequality or, you know, the, the Me Too movement, things like that. So when it comes to the Women's March, it makes sense that there's so many people there because no matter what kind of a woman you are, there's, you know, something that has to do with you in regards to that march, whereas science might be a little bit less, like, you know, in everybody's face. Like, how does science actually affect a person isn't, like, readily discussed. Like, it's more indirect as opposed yeah. to Me Too, might, which might be more direct. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, um, I used to be a teacher, and just one day I asked the kids... What, what would happen if you had no electricity? How would your life be different? And it blew their mind. Like, it was something that they never even thought of. But it's something that affects us in every aspect of our day. And we don't discuss that. So it's not surprising to me that there's only a fraction of the amount of people here for science. But science affects every single person in every aspect of their life. And as an environmental engineer, what, what kind of projects are you working on? Right now, I'm working at a, our, on a water treatment plant that treats drinking water for south, down south of Denver. Um, when I was in school, I did a lot of remediation projects for like how to remove 
drugs from water systems. Yeah. So how to do it in a natural way? Yeah. That was I was really into that bioremediation. Wasn't, that wasn't covered um, by the water treatment facilities. It yeah. was extra that would would help clean what was left over after going through the treatment yeah. facility. It's terrifying, isn't it? It it really is. And, it, and I mean, like, I watch commercials right now, and there's one that's like a pure filter commercial, and they're constantly talking about, like, lead in the water and, like, normal amounts of lead and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like purifying lead out of your water is really sexy these days. Pure- <laughs> I know, right? Well, Flint, <laughs> really the is whole uh, Flint, Michigan aspect, you know, that's that was a huge deal affecting, yeah. you know, thousands of people's lives. And then, what, in the news just this past week, they're going to cut off providing water to people, and now the people are just going to have to believe that the government has done their job and replaced the necessary pipes and you know how do you trust someone to do that without having some sort of third party review what they actually did you know like a peer review that is done in science i wouldn't trust the the governor in in michigan to just tell me that all the pipes are replaced and everything's fine now right no that's not okay i need somebody else coming in and fact checking yeah, at this point, he's pretty much used up all his lifelines. Oh, totally. So I'm um, AJ, uh, just live in Denver, came out to support the Science March, and or the March for Science, and the Secular Hub. Um, I, my name's Becky, and uh, I was actually on the March organizing committee last year. Not this year, though, but I'm affiliated. I'm a, I'm a board member of the Secular Hub. I'm Mike. I'm here uh, volunteering with the Secular Hub. I was in the march and also getting some uh, other interviews with the Secular Hub cast. We do support science as a, as a path to knowledge. And because we don't uh, accept you know, the existence of a god or gods, and uh, so we don't have any holy books or anything that, that informs us, so we, we realize, we understand that science is the way that... Um, you know, we move forward in this, the only life we have. What is the problem with theism or any kind of religious belief in politics? How would you encapsulate that? I think that um, faith being the thing that, uh, beliefs that you accept without, um, without an evidential basis, um, those are contrary to the scientific method. Um, so whether or not people have those for themselves is one thing, but when you when those ideas are brought into a public policy that affects other people, um, and that's something that's corrosive to science and can be corrosive to public health and to our, um, our future in general. Um, and politically, it's definitely, you've seen in recent history, politics and religion are very, can be a very toxic combination, but they can also, religion brings people together, but it can also hurt a lot of people too, so... Another example might be like Betsy DeVos, who's, of course, the uh, Secretary of Education. Um, she said something to the effect that uh, her mission is to bring God to the public schools or something like that. I can't remember what the actual quote is. But uh, that, that you don't do you put that in your if you're a government who, uh, who governs all of the people of the United States, uh, is that something appropriate to put into a policy? What is the best possible outcome that you can imagine uh, in the next year uh, under a Trump presidency? Honestly, uh, people coming out to vote for uh, oppositional parties. Um, You know, there's going to be, it really matters on a local level that you vote for your city council and your state representatives. And also, of course, at a national level that, uh, you know, a lot of people took 
things for granted. And obviously, in 2016, we had elections that went other ways. And uh, you know, if you really care about fact-based lifestyle or evidence or um, the environment, any of those things, you know, you really have to get out there and and do your part. There was a previous speaker on the stage up there that pointed out that um, like the EPA was actually introduced by Richard Nixon, a Democrat, Republican, sorry. And Republicans historically have been very conservative, like not just conservative, but um, environmentally conservative and conservational. It seems like that party is having a crisis of identity and maybe they need to show up to vote for people who are not aligned with Donald Trump, for example. Democratic Party just seems to overlap more right now with, with this. But we also have a two-party system that kind of bifurcates a lot of things. There's no problem with being political. Uh, we're talking about issues. We're talking about um, uh, you know, you know, policies. And those are, up for, those are all open for discussion. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. To find out more about this group, check out secularhub.org. So that's it. That's the show. I hope you really had a chance to kind of walk through a virtual walkthrough of the March for Science in Denver that took place on April 14th, 2018. If, uh, if you enjoyed it, I'd really like to hear from you. Greg at MajorityVillain.com. And that includes all the hateful comments that you might have for me if you happen to work for the oil industry or if you thought that I misrepresented the solar and you work for Big Solar and you take a whole bunch of money from them. I want to know about it. So let me know at greg at majorityvillain.com. Special thanks today to Andrea Schmidt uh, for making all the photos today that you see on the website at majorityvillain.com and for just, in general, being an amazing person and a wonderful girlfriend. Couldn't do it without you. For social media, check out hashtag ScienceMarch or tweet at ScienceMarchDC. Special thanks today to the University of Denver Physics Department Pretty cool stuff they are doing. If you've ever thought that physics was dumb, they are now cool, and you are now not cool. For more information about how you can get involved in any of these things, be sure to check out marchforsciencedenver.org or marchforscience.com. Thus today begins our summer break. We will be making announcements about our return at uh, a later time, when that will happen. But don't unsubscribe. For the love of God, don't unsubscribe. We're not going anywhere. We're just taking some much-needed R&R, and we'll be figuring out a way to work around how we can make this show exactly what it is that you want. What do you like? What do you not like? And we will be in touch about how to make that happen in the future. So if you want to be a part of helping make this show what you think it should be, you want to help shape it into your own image in some weird, creepy way, now's your chance. And those announcements will be made on future uh, shorts, short episodes of Majority Villain. So if you're not already subscribed, you can do that on the device you're already using. So go ahead and do it. There's no excuse not to, and we look forward to working with you and hearing more from you with Majority Villain. On behalf of Ethan Brain and myself, this is Majority Villain saying status quos are for suckers. Do not settle for alternative facts. Always, always, always believe in that which is scientific. Wish you all the best. Good luck and Godspeed. Don't just show up for science today. Make it a point to show up for science every day. 
Human progress has always been driven by the advancement of knowledge, and we need this progress to continue. To learn more about the March for Science and the Majority Villain podcast, you can find links on the show notes page at wildlensinc.org slash EOC 151. Today's episode was brought to you by the Majority Villain podcast and produced by me, Catherine Dunning. Our theme music is by The Humidors.